Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Masters of the Matrix. Today, I have with me Tina Irwin, and we are back for part two of our talk on Atlantis. And we're going to be talking about technology and crystals. So welcome back to the show, Tina. Really great to have you. Thank you, Greg. I just love being here. I'm very excited for this show. You're my favorite guest, obviously. I've had you on more than anybody else, so that says a lot. <laughs> and I just love having you, and I'm sure I'm going to have you again. So I just want to quickly, before we get into Atlantis, I just want to quickly ask you what you feel about the energies of 2023. What will they bring? What do you feel is is upcoming for humanity? I believe we are in a spiritual decision tree. And since there's so many people who are very business-minded who might be listening to this as well as spiritually-minded, I'll use the term decision tree. And I'm using this term because we are going to be facing, and I'm not making a prediction because I don't do that. I'm offering an observation because it's an inevitability that we're all going to be faced with making some very difficult decisions in a decision tree. And the important element is looking at the ramifications of the decisions that are made. Because if if you're following a spiritual path, one of the huge elements of a spiritual path is not just being true to yourself, but recognizing the power and the value of your ethics. We're in a time of staggering corruption corruption on levels that we haven't seen since oh guess what atlantis (laughs) and this is a very important opportunity as well as challenging time because whether you're a parent and you have children watching your ethics do as i say because i'm doing what i'm preaching Be true to what you're telling your children, to business practices, to standing up for the beliefs in freedom and the love of freedom and making sure there is enormous love in your life and that love is what you project to the world. And it doesn't mean you're carrying a peace sign and saying, you know, from the 60s and saying love. It means that when you're dealing with, start with your family, the the nucleus of life is your family. Family is very important and families are so broken right now. Learning to bring love back into family, spouses, children, calming the noise down being with each other and being in the moment. I remember when I was on this path, my teacher said, you know, Tina, you have to be more in the moment. And I said, I'm a naval officer. I'm busy. I don't know what that means. And he just gritted his teeth with me. (laughs) And he said, you have to get this right. You need to learn what that means. And so I set about to do that. 
And I learned that what it means to be in the moment is that you recognize that a moment exists. You can't be in the moment if you don't know it's physically present or emotionally there. So if you're able to say, for instance, if your grandchild is here and they're asking you a question, stop being busy and listen. If your granddaughter says, oh, I want to take a walk, stop what you're doing and go take a walk. You know, suit up because it's cold. Go take that walk. Turn off your phone. Be there. Be present. Look in their eyes. Have eye contact. We have phone contact. We don't have eye contact. Look into the soul of the other person. See what they need. If your spouse is having a bad day, put your phone down. Look into their eyes. Hold their hand. Have physical contact. Remember what love feels like. And in those ways, 23 can be a good year for you personally. We're surrounded by a lot of death right now, a lot of grieving and a lot of sadness. And if it struck you, I don't know too many families that haven't had some relatable experience and someone's grieving and you don't have a clue what to say. Don't say anything. Hold their hand and hug them. Just go to the movies with them. Sit down and have coffee. If they don't feel like talking, don't talk. Just be there. Because if it's silent enough, someone will open up. And in that moment, you will have known what it means to be in that moment. That's a long explanation. So there you go. I love it. I, I really love it. Love is the answer. And I just did a, uh, an episode called uh, Align to Love in 2023. So we're we're on the same trajectory. I am 100% with you that this is now the year, this is really it, to really take those actions, take those steps towards that aligning to love, right? And I think it really does begin with presence, doesn't it? To, to be present with yourself, to be present with others. Because the present moment is not only all we have, but I mean... It's what can heal everything, right? If, if we're in our heads and we're thinking about the future or the past or the corruption going on in the world, and as crazy as it is, it's not going to help us, right? We have to pull in our, our attention in, into our hearts, into our center, start honoring ourselves and, our, and loving ourselves. And I think just as a natural byproduct, it's going to just overflow into those around you automatically. And if you haven't been taught how to love, right, um, it's it's a natural thing. It's just that we have to almost just kind of forget what we've been sort of programmed to believe what love is, right? That's just, it's like you said before, some peace sign. I'm holding up a love peace sign in the 60s. No, it, it's it's a presence. It's it's an energy. It's a frequency. It's it's a it's a unity, right? And I want to touch quickly, like on, on what you said about corruption, because really, I've, I'm with you that we've never seen corruption at this level. And I think it ties exactly to what happened in Atlantis. There, we are in that same thread. It just happens to be, you know, whatever, 50,000 years later, and we're going through the same things. And we, I, I just, I really, you know, urge everybody out there to take the, take that path of love. And that's why Atlantis fell because they didn't take the path of love, both individually and collectively. I'm not saying everybody, but on a collective level. And here we are given this another chance to take this path of love, no matter what we're seeing out there, we have to let whatever's happening happen. We got like the government's corrupted. We got politicians, CEOs, corporations, 
pharmaceuticals, Medicare, education. I, I think pretty much every industry is corrupt. What are your thoughts on that? I think that there was a reason there was a whistleblower's law. When you have literally a blind ambition and you have to have you have to be the person who wins the game. And the higher and higher someone goes in corporate or government structure, it becomes only about winning the game. And the proceeds of winning are massive wealth and power, and then power over other people. And that power, I, I saw something recently where someone from a very interesting organization said they have the power of God now. It was, and I've seen that statement made repeatedly. We have CRISPR technology and more, wink, wink. We have the power of God. And for those of us who study these things, because we are always in a learning mode and we're working to keep our egos in check because that is very dangerous to allow that to run rampant. God is only about balance. And when you seek to push the world or yourself, your corporation, your country out of balance, the laws of physics, the laws of thermodynamics aren't going to stop being the law. It will come back to the individual, the company, the government. And individuals can assist through, ironically, the power of prayer, the power of love, the power of community, the power of companionship, and keeping your relationships as honest and forthright as you possibly can. You know, let there be peace on earth, but let it begin with me. And that means your ethics have to to be of the highest order for this to work. That's, that's so, that's so true. And I actually just talked about this in my last couple episodes, actually, because it's such an important concept that, you know, and it's not always easy to explain to people because, you know, we see these people that are on TV, famous people, so-called educated people, but do we really know what their, where their hearts are aligned to? So it's almost like, you know, someone could be a complete, narcissist narcissist sociopath ceo leader and they've they've created something but are is are their energies aligned to the unification of love to like to everything that we are connected to earth to everything right and i i bet you a lot of these times we ask these questions the truth would be no a lot of these leaders aren't aren't really true natural leaders they're just uh searching for power like you said power over others power to have material power to have wealth and this is what I think we, we need to sort of reteach society is that, you know, what is power? Power is, is to me, is wisdom. Power to me is love, right? And, and, and sitting in that presence, right? It's not some like material because I own a, mil- a billion dollar house or I, I'm worth a billion dollars and I, I can tell people what to do. That's not power, right? Like it, it's, it's, um, 
you know, that's a responsibility that you have over people that you, you need to be looking out for their, their well-being. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in that position where I'm karmically involved with someone energetically. I'm just messing with people's lives because I'm just, a, I'm greedy. So this is what I'm seeing is like people are, are whether they, whether they're ready for it or not, right? I think they're going to see chaos happen on the outside. And, and I'm guilty of this actually, by the way, because I, I love information. I love learning. And there's so much chaos going on in the world that it actually affected me negatively, right? Like as, as much as I'm trying to keep that information distance from me, right? So I'm seeing the corruption. I'm seeing, like, and to me, it's so obvious. My body screams, this is so wrong, right? There's just something wrong with this. And if I just continue on that uh, energetic connection, it's just going to drain me. So we have to like pull that energy back and like gain power over yourself, right? Going power over your presence and, and start loving it on yourself and Mike's question on on this aspect is: Do you think, um, based off what we're what's going on right now, do you think that twenty twenty three is going to bring sort of a crumbling of these foundational uh, processes that we've been like living in for the past hundred years? You know, starting from the industrial revolution, um, are we going to start seeing a crumbling of these corporations, of these entities, and so that we can rebuild properly with with like with love in mind? Well, I'm going to start, I'm going to answer that with a quote from a man I really respect by the name of David Hawkins. He wrote this remarkable book called Power Versus Force. The book is Power Versus Force by David Hawkins. Highly recommend it. He made a statement that love without power is insipid and weak. Power without love is vicious and cruel. But when love and power are combined, you can change the world. And you can certainly see that with Mahatma Gandhi. And you could see that this was part of what Martin Luther King was trying to do. You see this with Christ and Buddha and Sri Krishna and so many of these other wonderful teachers who have been on earth and all the lesser ones who were trying to get information to all of us. Karma is always operative. And I think that's a very important statement. Karma never wastes energy. And I'm saying that because every person is at a karmic opportunity moment whether it's do I cheat the person in front of me or not do I take this person who's presenting in an emergency room with a heart attack or do I take this private person who has a hangnail where are my ethics and we are now being faced this is certainly true in the medical community and the political community uh, everywhere you took an oath to do no harm if you're in the medical community you took if you're in politics you took an oath to uphold a constitution you're there because of the people not your ego. Karma will not be denied. And when those fears rise in all of us that we see happening, this person has massive control. 
Well, if you look back through history, every single despot has fallen. Every single one. And even though they had tentacles to everywhere, when people kept their ethics, when they did the right thing, it was a, a really huge difference. I watched a, a Netflix thing about uh, a detective called, you know, Sherlock Holmes' sister, Enola Holmes. This particular episode, she was asked to solve a mystery of a missing girl, but what it turned out was that the factory used poor phosphorus to make matches. These were matchstick girls. And it was killing all these girls. So, so the, the company had horrible ethics, and they told everyone the girls had typhus, and it was their own fault. But they were poisoning them. So you, if you know that someone is deliberately poisoning and trying to kill someone, you have to take a stand and say no. And everyone in this factory was terrified. And she used her courage and the courage of one other woman. And they got 100% of those women to walk out of the factory. This is based on a true story. This happened in England, and it began to reform the entire factory system. And they got children out of factories. They got poisons out of factories. And because they forced ethics on people, the world changed for the better. So if we know someone's being poisoned, if we know detrimental things are being given to people or people's actions are at a crossroads, you're the nurse. You know if you give those 52 vaccines to that baby, that baby is going to die. You know that. They've watched it happen. Some nurses have told me they can't do it anymore. They walked off, which is why there's a nursing shortage. So many nurses are showing ethics. The nurses who are there are trying to hold on and trying to do the right thing. It's an untenable situation. So what happens? As more and more people discover that part of love is courage, <laughs> courage is an action when it's easy. Courage is action when you're terrified. And you have to go against what other people think is, well, this is what we've always done, or this is what the, you know, this is what the higher-ups want. But it's the wrong thing. It's going to kill people. You have to figure out how to stand up. And it's not easy. But without every one of us looking inside and finding our own best ethics, we're going to have a really tough world. Or we can have a world that becomes transformed this year because everyone stood up. And we have far more power with our ethics when they are on the right path than we have any idea. It's like <laughs> we're all wearing ruby slippers. We just forgot to look down and we've completely forgot to ask Good Witch Glenda, what is it these do? We all have the power. We just need to look at our foundations and realize that we can do it. I love that. <laughs> and you know, courage, that that really just popped out at me because this is we need this. We we I I I I tie courage to faith, right? If we don't have faith in sort of our our knowing that we are a part of the creator. We we are we are connected to the to the one infinite creator, right? And to me, 
like I didn't, I didn't learn that until, you know, like really, I didn't know that, remember that until my thirties. I, I knew it almost on a mental level, but I, I felt it. I knew it on a deeper level in my thirties. And when I got to that connection, I mean, like, that's what allowed me to take those steps that doesn't matter if, if, um, you know, if there's a million people that don't believe me or a billion people that don't believe me, as long as I'm taking that step out of love, right. And, and acting out of love, I'm going to take that step because I have faith. I have faith in doing the right thing. I have faith that I'm supported in doing the right thing because I'm acting out of love. Right. And that what that's what gives me courage. So I think I'm with, like, I'm really with you that this is the year that we have to be courageous in whatever, whatever what we're doing, courageous with ourselves and opening up our hearts, courageous with speaking our truth to those that are around us so that we can sort of resonate at that level, at that frequency. And when we do that, it reverberates through time and space. And it can be felt by others without you even saying a word. And it's going to positively affect those around you. And it's going to create this like domino effect. And I, I, I can see that happening right now with this sort of, this. there's a movement happening, right? The spiritual movement, this awakening movement that it's like, it's, it's growing faster and faster. And people are putting up less and less with companies, politicians, and people that don't have any ethics, right? They're standing up to it and they're actually either stepping away or they're standing in their truth and they're being supported by that. I, I think that the energies in the world now are supporting this energy, right? No longer are we going to be supported by doing evil things to each other. The world is, we're not here anymore. We're going to the to the fifth dimension. We, we are rising in a frequency. And so you're going to be supported in following that path of love, right? And those that are actually fighting against that, they're going to find their, their world is going to get more difficult. I, I think that's absolutely. I think that's that's absolutely true. This really, it, it goes back to what if if you're following a spiritual path, your first rule is to do no harm. And in every job, every person has. I don't care whether you're a plumber or a brain surgeon. Your jobs are really important to the person in front of you. And if you're doing the best and you're not doing harm, then you will garner respect. There's another element, and that's generosity. Love is generous. Love is welcoming. Love does not separate. And when the the energies in that vein can be produced... And people can remember that I go to this job and I hate it. What do you hate about the job? Is it that you have to compromise your ethics? Or that what you're doing doesn't make any sense? This is a great time of soul searching. What is the right thing? Mm -hmm. What is the right thing? Yeah. And there's a, a line from Alice in Wonderland and when you're so confused and you just feel like the world has gone nuts, what did Alice talk about? Take yourself back to one true thing for you. Think of one true thing. And that one true thing is a guiding light. And if the one true thing you need is that you are loved beyond measure, that God loves you now and for eternity, there is no death. There's transformation of form. That is one true thing. Or if that's too lofty, 
look at your cat, your dog, your bird, your husband, your child, and whatever that love is, that's one true thing. And if things around you are not in that same resonance of truth and love, then do some house cleaning emotionally and maybe politically. This is the year and you will be supported on that path with the energies that we, we are currently like in right now. Um, I can definitely attest to that as well. I'm going to turn the, the boat a little bit um, and go towards technology so we can steer back into Atlantis and something that I want to sort of like tie together. And I just did a podcast episode on this um, um, on artificial intelligence and I find it fascinating, but I find it scary. And what we just talked about with ethics, right? And this is exactly what I talked about in my, my last episode was that we are seeing this, the rise of AI on a level unseen before. And so now the public is allowed to communicate with this thing called chat GPT. This is just one of the many that are available and they can have them write their essays. They can have them write programming code. They can have them write recipes. Like you can have this AI do anything for you. So it's causing like this sort of like uh, amazement and uproar and energy that people are really excited about it. But there's so many negatives about it too, because who's creating it? What are the ethics behind the creators? Right. And we're only operating on old hardware right now that are based off zeros and ones. What happens when AI is going to the level of quantum, right? Where so much more information is going to be available and ethics aren't in place. And so I've kind of just laid those out for people to be like, okay, we are in like a a potentially very dangerous time if we don't sort of correct this sort of um, this AI path. And what are we putting into it? What are we expecting out of it? And the, and the, and the ties with consciousness, right? And I almost think there's a tie with what's happening now to what's what happened in Atlantis where they were doing experiments with consciousness, right? Where they were experimenting on creating all these strange bodies, hybrid bodies that were half human, half animal. And so I think there is sort of like a, um, sort of a an ethical uh, tie to to where we are now, right? To what's happened in the past. What are your thoughts on on technology in the past, and what's happened now with technology with with where we are now with maybe relating to AI? I think that's such a loaded question. Sorry, I'm sorry, but it's <laughs> no, it's I, so interesting. I've been formulating. You know, it's like I've got you know, mental popcorn going off here. And I got to sort of organize it. Let's have a feast. I would, I, let's have a feast. I, I would, my observation of the multiplicity of technologies, there's a technology out there that, and you saw this in the movie Forrest Gump. I think Industrial Light and Magic may have perfected this. And in Forrest Gump, there's a scene where he goes and he's, he's talking to President Lyndon Johnson. In the, in the mid-60s. That's right. And it looks like Lyndon Johnson is speaking. So now you can have, you can shoot a video of someone and you can have them say anything you want. And that person has no idea that their face or their image is being used to say something they don't agree with. So we have, that's a a tiny example. So someone could put a politician on a screen and have their mouth move and it looks like they're saying X. 
when that politician said something completely different and you as the watcher have no way to know what the truth is. And to me, the issue with AI, CRISPR, every astonishing technology is that we are not just eroding or compromising, we are lacerating the truth. And truth is now, it's, it's long ago, it's beyond being the first casualty. We were told so many things that were safe and effective. And, and we were told to believe them as truth. They were all lies. And what happens when you start undermining some of the basic foundations using technology, controlling the narrative, eventually you start turning people off and they stop listening. They turn off their phones. And what you think you're going to be able to control, you can't. This actually happened in Canada. And I, I live on the Canadian border. And they had something called Arrive Canada. And I was so impressed with Canadian citizens. They refused to use it. I live in Canada. I'm a Canadian citizen. I don't need this. Americans refused to use it. The vast majority of Americans stopped going to Canada. They had to get rid of it because we stood in our truth and said no. And what this boils down to is the technologies in Atlantis were exactly what they are today. The experiments with human beings, crossing human beings and animals, gene editing, DNA splicing, and the attributions of collecting consciousness. I have been watching this for 10 years now, is jaw-dropping. I'm choosing my words very carefully. And each of us has to be able to say that we will do what is the best in the moment. The problem we're facing is what we believe or we were invited to believe was the best action in the moment was horrifically genocidal. And I am using that word. And, and planned. Because, and, and planned. Yeah. So will you still trust what that person says again? Goodness gracious, I hope not. Atlantis used we were going to talk about how crystals were used in atlantis but they use the same way here today you have ruby lasers you have the ability to manufacture crystals in space you have the ability to take something let me get this guy as water clear i don't know if you can actually see this very well but mm -hmm. as water clear as this is wait wait i have another one that's even more water clear i have a little i have a little collection of herkimer diamonds love those oh beautiful and if you, can, so if you don't have access to a mac earl crystal a herkimer diamond will certainly do Beautiful. It's literally as clear as the most beautiful water you can imagine. 
Mm. And when you have clear crystal, and the, the Chinese were mining crystal, and I know this because I used to own a crystal mine in Arkansas, and I talked to the miners there in uh, Mount Ida and Little Rock. And what happened was the Chinese would back the semi-tractor-trailer, you know, sea vans. What do you call those things? Sea crates? I'm not sure. Well, no, but a, a semi-tractor trailer truck that you ship overseas. Oh, oh, right. The shipping container. Type. The shipping container, that's the word. Right. Gotcha. Shipping containers full of crystal. I mean, thousands of shipping containers full of crystal. So they understand that crystal isn't just something, you know, that's gorgeous to look at. This might purple or diamond clusters. Beautiful. They have piezoelectric qualities. Well, they were grown in Atlantis. I mean, the Atlanteans had technology far beyond even what we can't even imagine today. Mm-hmm. And they created something called apports, A-P-P-O-R-T-S. Mm-hmm. And an apport means that you can create something in a different dimension and bring it into the third dimension as a reality. Mm-hmm. And they did that with some of the crystals that they needed to be incredibly gigantic. It was so much easier because they could simply manipulate matter. When you get to the point you can manipulate matter, what happens? You manipulate matter in a greedy way. Power corrupts. Absolute power can corrupt absolutely, but it doesn't have to. There are other worlds out there that have staggering technology that are not corrupt and they don't blow themselves up. I mean, it, we've never had 300 years on this planet without a war. Is that astonishing? Jeez. And sad. it's a really sad thing. So crystal, mm-hmm. crystal was used in Atlantis, and you know, it was part of the 12 tribes. And I just happened to have a breastplate oh. from the 12 tribes. Oh, I love it. Now, these are pieces of glass. And, and and engraved on here, which I don't believe you can see very well, are the oh, names right. of the so, twelve tribes. Levi. Yep. Beautiful. And um, I had a a meeting where people would come and visit me, and this woman walked in and she handed me that. And she said, "I was told in a dream to give that to you." <laughs> it's like really. <laughs> so that's how I happened to have that. It's not because some great being came down and said, I hereby bestow this upon you. (laughs) She walked in and she said, I don't know why I have it, but I was told in a dream to give it to you. So there you go. In this breastplate, these stones were precious stones, ruby, emerald, sapphire, diamond. And um, based on all my research, no one knows exactly what stones were assigned to each tribe because there's a tribal name under each stone. I don't know that it matters for us at this point, but it meant that there was power in those stones, and they have known this for hundreds of thousands of years. When Atlantis fell, based on research, A lot of the crystals were dematerialized from Atlantis and placed underground throughout the world. In addition, Atlantis was global, as I think we discussed before, 
and those global that global location had thousands not thousands but many hundreds and hundreds of pyramids throughout the world some of them are in the oceans and you certainly see this off um uh Uniguni in japan and off the coast of um the bimini road in uh the bahamas uh in bermuda part of where the bermuda triangle is there are just thousands of pyramids that are all over the world that were used for communication and they were topped with certain types of, of crystal that would glisten and glow, which would transmit thought energy, telepathy, as well as physical energy. So they had refined the use of crystal to an astonishing level. And um, there is a the ability to use crystals, specifically quartz, because of the piezoelectric qualities, which enable transmission of energy, which they started using in World War II for crystal radio sets. Where well, this is, you know, it's the, it's the same stuff. Oh, but one of the interesting things is in Atlantis, the crystals were not all pyramids of my set of platonic solids here. They weren't all pyramids, as you can see. Let me hold this like this. This is, you know, basically a pyramid. Four sides and a base. So it's a five-sided geometric structure. They actually used tetrahedrons. So it's three sides and a base, all equilateral triangles. And a lot of those had far more stable energy than the traditional pyramids we see today. But in the pyramids that we see today, what they had, uh, if you look at the Great Pyramid, and an Air Force pilot discovered this, there's a line, a line down the center line. So you end up with eight faces. Those eight faces created triangles. The triangular shape, the tetrahedral shape, and by the way, the triangles that they created that were tetrahedrons were not solid. They were open inside. Very, very, very powerful. Mm. So um, a lot of the technology was off-world. A lot of the technology they discovered, it's, it's, I mean, I just read many dozens of books on this topic, and I, I am still in quite the learning category. There's so, so much. much under, there's so much under the sea. In fact, mm. I thought you would appreciate this. There was a, a, gentleman whose name escapes me right now, but um, he is asking the question, I don't know if you're familiar with, in the Sahara, on the west coast of Africa, there's something called the eye. And I it's have heard this, yes. And it is concentric rings. Well, this guy's theory is that that was the original Poseidia, which was the capital of Atlantis. And that there was a a path of water that went in and out from the sea. Things it used to be tropical. Yeah. It used to be tropical. It was really beautiful. And in the, the more sophisticated books on Atlantis, they talk about the fact that it was absolutely global. They had outposts everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. And travel was not difficult. So I'm, I'm kind of going around in circles with this. I don't mean to, but I... Well, that's okay. But, you know what? I, I kind of want to interject and just sort of make the connection that what I've been feeling as you're talking here is that, you know, 
our our modern civilization, I don't think people even realize that we are truly running off of crystals. If we did not have just general crystals, we would not have computers. You wouldn't have a cell phone. You wouldn't have a TV. Every electronic device is basically running off of a crystal through that uh, piezoelectricity. And that's exactly what happened in Atlantis. Atlantis was running off of their entire foundational uh what they're running off of was crystals. And here we are. If we did not have crystals, if we weren't using crystals, we wouldn't be having this conversation over electronics. We'd be still, you know, in, in the industrial age. And so I find that really interesting. And it's like, there are tools here. They were talking about, their, you know, some of the future possibilities is like turning, you know, there's there's unlimited power to tap into, right? And one of the, one of the possibilities was actually turning sidewalks, putting, putting um, like, uh, quartz crystals underneath the sidewalks and as people walk it will generate electricity right so if people start thinking along along those lines we're not going to ever have a power problem again because that power is essentially unlimited you're taking your your mechanical force and you're and you're actually turning it into electrical force and you can actually like <coughs> harvest that energy and so I, I find that connection so intriguing that we are even though it's a completely different um, you know, time, you know, how, how many thousands of years have passed. We, there's so many ties to what is going on now to what has happened then. And so I'm guessing, I'm assuming that they use crystals for everything. I'm probably, they use probably crystals for healing, for, to, to build things. I mean, they probably had like, uh, I mean, I can imagine that they probably built buildings in a completely different way than we did using some sort of crystal technology. Do you know anything about that? I I don't know how they constructed buildings. I don't have any knowledge on that. I know that they used crystals were used extensively for healing and certain crystals were specific. The universal healing crystal was emerald mm. and they would have these massive emerald tables and they would do, you know, you know, it was depending on what you needed, you would be on an emerald type of healing table they use a ton of copper and copper creates an electrical circuit which you could raise the person's frequency which is basically rife te technology they also used ruby the ruby ray in healing because ruby would be would be used for things like cancer or diseases of the blood or viruses and things like that because of the the power of it but universally, the energy of, of emerald was incredible. Um, topaz was used for all different, all different kinds of things. And diamond could be used for cutting and things like that. Obsidian, obsidian has been found as a cutting tool for brain surgery in Central and South America. It was called threatening. And the obsidian never gets dull. An obsidian knife will never dull. It was astonishing. Um, it's really, it's really interesting that you had earlier talked about giant crystals, and perhaps the Atlanteans were growing their crystals to do a certain function to to have something manifest or whatever the reason it was. But are you saying that I, I've heard this too that there are deep. Um, caverns that actually the Atlanteans put these crystals under the ground so they could not be sort of interfered with. And perhaps as we probably talked about previously, well, like you said, the Bimini Road and, and the Bermuda area and off of Japan, there are probably sort of buried crystals under there that are still 
operating off of what they've been programmed to do, right? Because that's really what a crystal can do. Crystal just sort of receives the consciousness from you, from us as you know humanity, and you can program them. That's why you know when you wear a crystal, you if you actually were to say you know you know connect with it and you know please protect me, keep me you know keep me safe from whatever or help me heal something, right? The crystal can hear you. The crystal receives that programming. So with that in mind. I wonder what sort of the weird things that are happening in the oceans and where planes are disappearing and there's perhaps portals opening. Are those still the ramifications of those of that programmation that's happened in so long ago? I think that I think that's entirely possible because there's more than one Bermuda Triangle. There's certainly one in the Pacific as well. And um these energies don't turn off. They're going to be vibrating because they vibrate. That's what they do. Everything has a resonant frequency and you have so many, you have, you have so many vibrations going through the air right now. I was at the, uh, visiting the Toronto Dowsers Association several years ago and I was talking to a master dowser up there and she was explaining why this, um, coal mine exploded somewhere in, um, Pennsylvania several years ago. And she said, you know, everybody rushed to blame the company for not putting enough safety protocols in place. She said, but they did a they did a study and the company was absolved of blame because there's so much electrical in the ground. So much. We have electrical power lines. We have electrical overhead. The earth used to be a ground. Now the earth is transmitting it. And where was a massive lightning strike a mile away from the mine, and it traveled through the ground into the mine. That's what caused the explosion because they could trace it. And the company was horrified because they don't want to lose their their men. Um, And so it, it was a, it's, the earth has been changed by the amount each civilization has done to it. And we need more grounding because we're becoming less grounding. That's what earthing is about, where you walk in the grass or you use copper rods to connect your upper story bedroom to the ground. Literally, you run a copper rod up, you anchor it. And I think that because we have we have crystals that are operating and now we're adding frequencies, global frequencies. When you have, now they're talking about putting 5, 6G in place in the oceans as well as in the, in all these towers everywhere, which now the 6G will be beyond microwave energy. So human beings have to decide, is that going to be okay with me? And then what is the process to change that? I I don't like that. I don't even, I don't like five G. Um, yeah, and and I I'm with you there that we really and that's tied to the ethics, right? And going into like the connection, everything is this beneficial? What? Why are we? Why are we building this? Is there a better technology that we can use that's actually beneficial, right? Instead of like because we're we're electromagnetic beings, right? We, yes, we're, we are. we're made up of electromagnetic waves. So, you know, whether you want to believe it or not, we are being affected by things that are putting off of. Uh, you know, radiation like our cell phones and and 5G and and God help us 6G. Um, uh, we really have to sort of turn this boat around and say, how can we do things better? 
And there is always a way to do things better. And you bring up a great point with like earthing. Like, you know, if we are electromagnetic magnetic beings, if we're not grounded, we're going to feel off, right? And even in the new, there's a new uh, idea in planting. It's not even new. It's actually kind of a rediscovery of, of growing plants. It's called electroculture. And they're using electricity um, to actually put it in the ground where a plant grows. And apparently the plant grows just exponentially because it's actually got a, like this so, so, sort of a completed circuit. And so you need like less water, less food, and it just loves life. It just grows because it's now completed the circuit. So there's just wonderful technology that we can use that, is, that, that uses copper, right? That uses crystals. So if you actually type this in Google, you're going to see some experiments people are doing and prove to you that this stuff actually works. And we are just like plants, right? We, we are electric. We are electromagnetic. So we have to be mindful of we, where we are putting our energy and what energy is affecting us. Do we want to be sleeping with our cell phones beside our bed, right? Um, I'm, I'm sure if you're listening to this, I mean, I've tested this myself. I sleep better with having my cell phone in a different room, right? I don't know if, I, I, if you've experienced this, Tina, yourself. I've had clients. I've had several situations with clients who slept with their phone on underneath their pillow at night or inside their pillowcase. And um, they had, it's a complicated kind of story, but this person did receive certain injections. I'll leave it at that. And all of a sudden, information from her phone was being presented to her in dreams night after oh night goodness. and i she thought she was being haunted by a ghost and i i i asked some preliminary questions did you did did you do this and she said yes i was like okay and um what was happening was she kept seeing the picture she recognizes a photograph of her father in a military uniform. And she said, but he's been dead five years, you know, and is he visiting me? And I said, did your father die in his uniform? She said, no, no, no. He died, you know, long, you know, he died in a hospital bed. And I said, then that's not a ghost. Is that photograph on your phone? Well, yeah. That's where the photograph came from. Through your phone, under your pillow, your being, your brain is being accessed. Wow. Put your phone inside a Faraday cage. If you look up Faraday cage um, holders for your phone, they're little black holders or they're lined with copper. It's a Faraday cage. Then, and turn off your phone. Put it in a Faraday cage and put it as far away from you as you can possibly get. Wow. And it helped her, and she used Faraday sheets. But she was in an area with massive 5G. And because she had received certain medicines, therapies, she became an antenna. And all the things that I had her do made a difference. It didn't stop it. I would love to tell you, oh, I got that stopped. I did not. Wow. I did not get that stopped. She stopped. She had better sleep. 
But as soon as she got up, she turned that phone on and she kept seeing and hearing people behind her. But here's the real kicker about this. The pharmaceutical company of the thing she got called her once a week to see what her symptoms were and what she was seeing. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness is right. Oh, shoot. And, and I said, you didn't make a connection? Because before you had that little medicine treatment thing, did this ever happen to you? And she said, no, it never happened. I said, did it happen to other family members? She said, a little bit, but they didn't get the same brand. I got this particular one that had the 56 pages of side effects, 58 pages of side effects. And this is one of them. And she said, what can you do to help me? And I said, you have to go to a place where there's no 5G. And she was being so controlled, she couldn't even go to a location that was 45 minutes away as an experiment to see if, if all of these, quote, visions stopped. Wow. And I, went- I had to stop helping. I said, I can do no, no more. I can't. I can't. I have to back yeah. away. I'm so sorry. Eventually the, eventually, the person has to want to help themselves and not say, "Can you just fix me?" And mm-hmm. I can just sit here and do nothing. You have to be want. You have to want to take that step yourself. You have to want to be better. And if you can't, I mean, that's okay. But don't expect you know <laughs> solutions. Um, I find this really fascinating because you know this is um, this is what a lot of the world is facing, and we're so influenced by these energies that we may not be present enough to be sensitive, uh, to notice the sensitivity that we're being influenced by, right? Because we're not only are we so busy in our minds. Yeah, right. She absolutely, she was a sweet, dear person. Mm-hmm. And I spent three months trying to work all these different ways. But the most basic things I could not get her to do, she, her consciousness was already heavily accessed and influenced and i sometimes you have to have the wisdom to know when it's time to step away because you cannot help the person and you don't want to make them feel bad Mm -hmm. and they're taking a lot of energy and so i did the best i could and and then i i stepped away that was it yeah, and that's and that's all you can do. And I just kind of want to make a really important point here that, you know, you know, our minds, our thoughts aren't always going to be in our best interest, right? So we have to understand that some of the thoughts that we have actually aren't originating from us. So I want people to really understand that. I've I've been through this too, where I've had thoughts where we think they're mine. Okay, did I think that really bad thought? Is that does that mean I'm I'm this person? No, actually. We are being influenced by the energies around us, including our phones and our TVs and all these electronics that don't have ethics built into them, that are actually purposely being used for that purpose to control you, to influence you in a way that they deem necessary to control. And so I think it's really important to work on this presence or to to spend time with yourself to get to know yourself, know thyself so that you can actually start to separate what is you and what is not you. Now, going back to crystals, Tina, are there crystals that you think that can help people protect themselves from so-called influences and radiation 
from uh, cell phones, um, what, what have you? I have some suggestions. Most people aren't going to go out and buy thousands of pieces of crystal. I would do some preventative things first, which are turn off your phone at night, put it in a Faraday cage, and put it as far away from your bed as you possibly can. Turn off your computer with a power switch so that it doesn't just go to sleep. Your laptops, your iPads, everything. Turn it completely off. As far away from where you sleep as possible. And if your office is in your bedroom, move your office because you're never going to get a really decent night's sleep. It's a feng shui thing. I'm a feng shui practitioner. I've done hundreds and hundreds of homes and offices. And so when you do some basic preventative things, that is the first step. Turn off your TV with power switch so that you're not getting that if you have a TV in your bedroom, get it out of there. It acts like a big eye. It's another feng shui thing. You should be the main event in your bedroom, not your TV. So um, the other element here is if you have crystals, play the highest frequency music you can on low. And you're programming those crystals with a super high frequency day after day after day after day. All these crystals vibrate, and they're vibrating out. And the more you have, the more they vibrate out. And so you end up building this massive force field. If you also do spiritual practices where you say prayers that you're in your heart and mind, you're sending healing to the whole world, not with your hands closed, which closes off the energy from your palm shoppers. Don't do that. But all the original pictures of Christ um, were, because I saw these in Italy on the walls where the Christians hid from the Romans, they showed the depictions of Christ, and he's standing there with his arms out, with the energy pouring out. If you pray in that way, if you fill your heart with blessing and prayer, and fill your dwelling, fill your entire property, and if you're on a second or third floor apartment building, Oh, well, everybody's going to benefit. I mean, there's some more sophisticated practices. If you have a single dwelling, visualize that your dwelling is inside something that looks like this. A tetrahedron. Mm -hmm. No, it's a tetrahedron. It's not pyramid. Okay. Tetrahedron is one of the most powerful geometric shapes you could possibly use. Pyramid is great. And if you combine it with an oct- a bottom one, you have an octahedron. They're great shapes. But for pure power, nothing competes with a tetrahedron. Nothing. Not in the known in the mystical world. And so when you use that structure and you visualize that your property, and it's work. It's work. You visualize that your entire property is inside this giant tetrahedron. And you do that. 365 days a year, even when you're tired. And then you can visualize that inside this triangle, this tetrahedron, are mirrors that keeps your positive energy in. And then there are exterior mirrors that repel negative energy, including 5, 6G or whatever. You have created a spiritual power spot 
that will enable you to be in a much psychically and physically safer place. So you don't even need crystals. You could just use your intention and imagination to That's create right. that desired energy. I mean, most people don't have a husband as generous as, as mine is to buy a crystal mine and to <laughs> you know let me buy whatever I wanted in Brazil and ship it back. I mean, I have thousands of crystals. I need them for other things. But let's say you don't have them. Maybe you, you have one little piece. Mm-hmm. What can that one little piece do? It can do whatever you need it to do. Just magnify the energy. Visualize that tetrahedron. Mirrors inside, facing in, mirrors facing out. And what you've done is you've created a spiritually safe place. Cannot stress that enough. My big tip for today. I really love that. You know, I I am also a massive crystal lover, and um, I'm usually either wearing one all the time or several or working with one, and they're all over my desk, too. I got uh, all sorts of crystals. And I always tried to recommend crystals to people because, you know, they can help, right? They they can receive that programming that you're that, from your intention, from your heart space. So if you speak to them, if you work with them, they will give that same energy back. Just as you're talking about putting that beautiful music on for them, they will reverberate that. They're they're just they're sending and receiving, just as we are. We're senders and receivers too. So we can use these beautiful conscious beings as as with second density beings as what they are um, to help us um, create that desired life that we want. I quickly want to ask you now, can we use, so say we're going out into the world and um, we are going into a busy place, perhaps we don't know the energy. Can we use crystals that uh, to wear around us, throw in our pockets that will help protect our energy field from perhaps influence that we may not be conscious of for, so say someone's in a bad mood and we're in a restaurant or we're in a busy place. Can we bring our crystals with us? to assist us in either expanding our energy or at least protecting it from that energy getting in there. I, I wear a lot of radionic devices and that's what you're talking about. Um, there are several powerful ones. One of them is black tourmaline It's universal. I was wearing a black tourmaline pendant in a market in um, Florence, Italy. And the guy looks at me and he says, do you know what you're wearing? And I said, what do you think I'm wearing? He says, it's, and I speak Italian, so I could translate it, but he said, you know, it's, it's very powerful protection. And I said, yes, I know. Black tourmaline, and let's, let's go a little bit farther. So if you're wearing a, a pendant, and I, I wear uh, a, a, a diamond pendant, but I have, I have a lot of different radiotics here that I wear all the time. What you're looking at is keeping your auric structure intact. When your auric structure is full of Swiss cheese holes, then what happens is you are susceptible to viruses and bacteria and, and um, negative things it, because that lowers your frequency. And a lot of things lower frequency, that's a whole different discussion. But what you, and, and what you're asking a piece of black tourmaline to do, and it can be a little piece like this, it can be fashioned into something, but it does chip kind of easily. Some people are using shungite, and um, I have some pieces on this. I have a really nice little malachite guy here. 
But shungite that is is from Karelia, Russia. Uh, it's it's basically ninety eight percent pure carbon. Love this stuff. That's the, the noble shungite. Or noble yeah, elite, I think they call that. Yeah, it's the elite shungite. It's shiny. That's how you know the difference. I actually test for it. But what if you're using a crystal? Let's let's use this. A lot of people use crystal pendulums, and let's say that this is the this is the pendant you want to use. I would not. I would never use quartz as protection. It picks up way too many energies. I've never used quartz as a pendulum either. I have this for demonstration purposes. And it's an amplifier too. So if, if you're feeling for a moment, it's negative, it's going to be bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But black tunneling doesn't need to be cleared. It is really powerful. And what you're doing is you're basically throwing shields up. Now, if you're going into a place and you're really psychic and it's a negative place, and I'll use the word hospital, you have to go to a hospital. You have to go to a funeral home. You have to go to a you know a graveyard because you're burying some 16 year old who had a heart attack playing football. You go to a shopping mall, or you go to your wherever you're going, and you are bombarded by the auric fields of all the people around you. This is what happens with people who are empathic. You know, go shopping for a day. You are exhausted. Mm-hmm. You've got all these auric fields that are bumping into yours. Some of them are big, some of them are little. That's why you're so tired and you want to bathe because you want to wash that energy off. All natural feelings. Black tourmaline stops a lot of that. If you don't have black tourmaline and it's easier for you to get something called tiger eye, um, this is what tiger eye looks like. It's not a very good way to look at it, but it basically... The theory is evil looks in the eye of the tiger and is repelled. And I, tiger comes in a golden, you know, a golden brown, a red black, and a blue black. And um, I have tiger eye um, pendants, uh, necklaces, and long beads. You can get tourmaline necklaces, um, black tourmaline necklaces. And I really, I wear those when I'm flying all the time because there are a lot of people with a lot of issues on airplanes. <laughs> and so if you are wearing that, but you're still feeling a little bombarded, especially in a hospital, visualize that you're inside of a moving tetrahedron. And if you can do that, I mean, it's, it's empty inside. There's no crystal inside. It's just a structure. And let's say that your tetrahedral st- structure is made of gold and copper in the ether. Maybe you could experiment with that. And let's say that you did that, and you're you're going along, and if you wanted to be even more spiritual, you can visualize there's a an, an angel in front of you and an angel on either shoulder, and the angels are deflecting the energies of other people, and they are crossing over the ghosts that you meet. Uh, someone's family member committed suicide, that ghost is hanging around with them everywhere they go. The grief never never gets better. You're in that crowd and that person is, sees that angel, they're going to be crossed over. They won't come to you, they will go to the angel. And you will be doing great spiritual service if you do it that way. I mean, the point of the podcast is a little help and education here and there. 
Well, it really is. It really is. And we need all the tools that we can get in, in order to get to that next stage, right? And that's why I love crystals. That's why I love working with energy because they are tools to help us be our best self, right? And to help us like sort of function in this world to not only function, but to actually strive to be who we're meant to be, right? Like use use these tools to go to where we need to go. What do you, You're holding up another crystal there. That looks like, uh, wow, that's a big tourmaline. That is a big piece of black tourmaline, yeah. Wow, that's a gorgeous piece. It almost piece. looks like it's uh, petrified wood, but it's not. It it's did, black, yeah. It's black wow. tourmaline from Brazil. And I have, an, if you are in an office with a lot of negative people, there are two crystals I highly recommend. One of them is you can find yourself a big piece of black tourmaline, but the other is... Um, Howlite, H-O-W-L-I-T-E, Howlite. And I don't have any here because... Oh, yes, the white, white with... This is Howlite. Right. And I found some Howlite angels at a rock shop. Aren't they pretty? So but describe it. It's, say, it's white with just a little bit of black specks in there? You know, you would say it looks like marble. Right. But it's not marble. It's, it's a really inexpensive stone. You can get Howlite beads... You can just, if you're a guy, you're not going to wear Howlite beads. You're going to put a few stones in your pocket. And Howlite, for some reason, emits a frequency and it makes people be nice to you. Hmm. That sounds like a good one. <laughs> it's a great, I, and when I had my, my Light Times group, we would, you know, I sold a lot of Howlite. And I had people do experiments. They'd go to, you know, really icky offices and she's, People would say, I would never go a day without them. Everybody's nice. The meetings are, are civilized. It's amazing. And she looked at these stones and go, how does this work? I don't care. It works. <laughs> it was Exper great. And you know what? Experiment yourself out there, right? If you don't, if you kind of are interested, in, but you're not sure, experiment. Bring a crystal into work or into a, a place that you go where you normally wouldn't carry a crystal and see what happens. See the difference and measure for yourself. If you're feeling sad or you're grieving, a piece of malachite. I have. I had a guy who was getting nice. rid of a whole collection, so I have a lot of malachite. But holding malachite in your hand, this green helps your heart chakra to process your grief. Mm. It's a wonderful grief stone. Pink um, uh, rose quartz helps. It's not going to be as strong as um, malachite. Yeah. And if you are a person who, um, where did that little guy go? Here we go. Um, this is lapis. Love lapis. Oh, it's a nice piece. Oh. And you want to have things work well. Lapis is great. I mean, if you look at the blue, it's a throat chakra blue. Beautiful. This is Afghani That's lapis. So beautiful. Mm hmm if you were to put a nice size piece under your phone at the office or at home, then lapis facilitates civilized, peaceful communication. Right. And it's, it's just a really, really helpful piece. If you look at the jewelry for, um, uh, especially the Medici's in Italy and you see it in all over China, uh, actually all over Europe and England, lapis and malachite were used extensively. 
and all kinds of, whether it was jewelry, but also all kinds of inlaid pieces. So these stones have been well known for a really long time. I'm not sharing any new information. I'm just passing on old information. But still, uh, you know, it's, it reminds me, truth that's a million years old is still truth today. So are there any crystals that say, you know, someone should avoid if they're perhaps, I don't know, if they're new to the crystal world or perhaps they have a busy mind or they're they feeling grounded? For me, I feel like there, there could be answers to that. But I want to hear what your perspective is on that. Should, should certain people avoid certain crystals? Are there any crystals out there that can do more harm than good for some people? Um. I would say a crystal that comes from the earth is it is neutral. It's like a blank piece of paper. It's going to emanate with the energy of the earth. As soon as someone else has owned it, now it has that person's energy. And the best example of this is antique jewelry. And I have watched this happen over and over and over. If you bought you know, you bought a pretty ring and you really liked the ring and but it was, and it was in an antique shop and you have no idea who owned it. Was that person murdered? Was that person, um, is that an engagement ring? And uh, it was a horrible engagement. Was, was, did somebody sell a wedding set because the person was beaten to death? You don't know the energetic history of old pieces and good Lord, metal holds the energy of the things that happened to the person who was wearing it. And my mother, um, uh, and one day in a moment of largesse, she gave me an emerald ring and she had used it for years and years and years and years and years. And it was so negative. I mean, my mother was a good person, but she had a lot of emotional trials for herself. So it meant that she, she, played a lot of games and that that you know I put the ring on and got physically sick it took me six months to clean that ring wow. you can't just wash it in a little soapy water and sit it in sunlight and moonlight and say oh I'm good now and my mother didn't have horrible issues she just had some frustrations in her life I can't even imagine how hard it would be to clear a stone that someone had worn or used and they died in a violent way so this is the problem when they say oh the stone is cursed no the stone doesn't start out a certain way we pick up the energies and the experiences of our lives stones do the same thing mm -hmm. so i would be careful of where the stones come from spend a very long time cleaning them and if you are unsure, put them in salt. Don't put pearls in salt. Don't put emeralds. I mean, you can clean emeralds, but emeralds are really soft, really soft stone. You have to be careful of an emerald. That's why the Colombians always encase them 100% in gold so it doesn't chip. Um, I would be mindful of opal. And people say, oh, opal gets a bad rep. But remember, Opal is all about the, it's, it's like it has this water essence, this opal essence. 
There's like multi dimensions in an opal. And <clears throat> opal has the potential to kind of force emotional things to the surface. And people are going to say, oh, I've worn opal for years. It's not a problem. That may very well be true. But if you have a teenager with a lot of things happening to that person, that might not be the best stone to give to them. When someone's older and they feel like they're a little more established and they can handle things that come up, you know, because there's some gorgeous opals. I mean, it's just jaw-dropping, whether they're Mexican fire opals or opals from as a source in Europe, you know, or um, the uh, Lightning Ridge in Australia. Mm -hmm. So it feels like to me that one has to sort of tune in to how a crystal is making them feel. We can't just say, oh, that crystal's pretty, I'm going to wear it. We, I think we need to like sort of feel that. And is that crystal right for me right now? Because for someone like me, I can sometimes be up in the clouds. And if I wear low, high vibrational crystals, I'm, I'm like, I'm so ungrounded. So for me, I know that I need to balance it out with crystals that help me ground because I'm already up, 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 up in the heavens. So I think for crystals, for some the average person out there that might need some grounding, you know, consider consider that. Consider wearing a, a tourmaline or or a tiger's eye or another grounding crystal, for example, and just experiment with yourself. Right, see how it makes you feel. Are you actually feeling better? Are you feeling different? Are, are you like the story that you uh, you just described, Tina? Are are you feeling like, um, you know, are you in a bad mood all of a sudden? Are you are you taking on energies that aren't yours, and you're just wondering where they're from? Well, it could be from either the jewelry or the crystal that you're wearing. We just have to sort of get in touch with yourself and say, is is this crystal for me? Does that sound about right? It does. Um, I would I would also offer that if you're questioning what you might want to wear, some let's say you're not a person who really wears jewelry, and, and that would be true, but some uh, bracelets that are shungite, black tourmaline, um, tiger eye, kyanite is also really good. Kyanite clears a lot of things. But a really great stone for staying in balance is turquoise. Problem is, a lot of things you think you're buying turquoise, but it's really dyed halite. So you have to have a reliable or, you know, really respected jeweler. Turquoise was so valued by Native Americans that they would weave turquoise stones in the bridles of their donkeys or their horses as they were going back and forth along these super narrow trails in the Grand Canyon because it enabled the animals to have more balance. And if you look at the Tibetans, the Tibetans use coal and a ton of turquoise. I happened to have a Tibetan bracelet here. Hmm. And with these great big pieces of coal, it gives you the energy of the red, which goes to purifying blood, And then the turquoise brings that all into balance. So when you're looking at how is this going to work for me, um, there's a really great book. Um, If you want to understand a lot more, not necessarily about Atlantis, but I I think there's so many great authors out there. And Melody's book, Love is in the Earth. And Melody actually bought a mine next to ours in Arkansas. She had a um, green chloride mine. Ours was just quartz. 
But she gives, and she's got some gorgeous books about it, where she talks about the stone, the numbers it vibrates to, the astrological sign. It's it's a masterwork. She does an astonishing job of st- of doing that. It's it's such a, a fascinating you know subject and and a, and a, an energy tool that we can use. So I mean, for people that are out, out there, they're interested in, in using crystals to help their life. There are there's so many resources you can find them on YouTube, Google, uh, YouTube something that's for yourself, and experiment with yourself. Don't be afraid to experiment and and try try a couple of crystals. Because they really can help you. I know I speak from experience. Crystals have helped me tremendously in my life. I consider myself an empath, as most of you know. Um, and so for the empaths out there that are so sensitive to the world around them, crystals are just a wonderful tool to help you manage that energy, manage that sensitive energy of yours so that you can go out into the world and not have to worry so much about um, being influenced by negative energy. Because now more than ever, we need these tools to help us get to that next stage, the next level of our evolution. And if it's crystals, right? If it's pyramids, if it's tetrahedrons, if it's prayer, whatever it is, let's bring on these tools and use them and apply them in our everyday life to make 2023 that truly that year that's going to just be an exponential growth in love for you so that that path, that, that inner path and that inner wisdom just starts overflowing. Um, not only for you, but those around you, because this is who you are. Like this is what you deserve to be. You deserve to be embraced with your truth. And you know, it does go back to that well word, courage, courage and faith. So I just want to say, you know, we've we've been talking about this again, as always. It's such a fascinating conversation with Tina. Um, I want to leave Tina just with a, another minute here if she wants to say anything about Atlantis, about crystals, about herself. I just want to give you the floor. Thank you so much, Greg. I really love being on your show, and I, I'm grateful for an opportunity to share the knowledge. There's a spiritual law that says that that which you share, you basically keep, and if you, you're required to share it. So I appreciate the platform and all the great questions that you ask. We are here to make a difference, and if you can understand we're here for service, if you are strong in your presence, if your frequency is high, you're going to positively influence everything around you, the air, the land, the water, everything. And the more that you do, the better everything around you will be. And you'll be making a difference, even when you think you may not have a lot to offer. You have more to offer than you know. Your success and strength will be the success and strength of all of us. And we will all be grateful. I love that. I want to thank Tina. I want to thank you so much for being here with me again. I won't be surprised if I have you on the show again, because... You're just so full of wonderful knowledge and information. So uh, don't be scared if I send you another invite, okay? <laughs> hey, I'm happy. I love talking to you. You're great. <laughs> you're, you're, you're so great, too. I really, I really love you and appreciate you. So thank you for being on this show. And thank you, everyone out there. I love you and appreciate you. Bye.